Welcome to another episode of the In the Limelight podcast. I'm Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. You are tuned in to Booksmart's Authors on Show with Christy Francie. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome to this episode of HealthWise 360, a creation of Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media. And I'm your show host, Chrissy Cordingly, and you'll be able to see this interview on In the Limelight TV, which is distributed on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and a hundred other smart TV apps. The audio version of this interview can be heard wherever you listen to your podcast. And today I'm really excited to be interviewing Halima Yates, who is the CEO and founder of Love Mark, where she provides mindset coaching, guiding people to value themselves and others. Halima started Lovemark in 2017, but she has over 20 years of experience collaborating with organizations and or leading her own programs for self-empowerment and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Due to her own experience of having an unhealthy sense of worth, engaging in self-sabotaging behavior, and even experiencing suicidal ideation, she's used that experience along with training and research to design her own curriculum that guides people to build and maintain healthy thoughts and habits that positively impact their life and their community. And she's also the author of the book, Dissolving the Anchor, Untethering Dysphoria and Self-Doubt to Create an Empowered Life. So excited to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us, Halima. Thank you, Chrissy. I'm honored to be here. <laughs> We're honored to have you. This is so exciting. So let's, you have quite the story. So why don't we just start with that? What is your story that sort of led you on this path to mindset coaching? Yeah, so growing up, as, as you shared um, in the introduction, is I just, I grew up with having a negative self-identity and self-image. I had a low self-esteem and unhealthy sense of worth. I dealt with self-sabotaging behavior, I engaged in self-harm, and, and yeah, I dealt with suicidal ideation as well. But there are a lot of factors that um, happened that came to play that is why I felt the way that I did about myself and um, why I felt like being my life was the way to go. Um, so just to give a little bit of a background about myself is growing up, when my mom divorced my dad, we moved in with her parents. And in that house, there was like 11 of us and sometimes more. And it was family members and, and also friends of family that would just be coming and going. So in this house is where I started to develop like feeling unsafe because I had, I dealt with domestic violence there. I also um, witnessed substance use and addiction. I also um, felt alone because my cousins and sisters, I, I was the youngest. And so they all hung out with each other. So I was excluded. And um, yeah, it just wasn't like the best experience. There were some good times there, but some bad times. Um, so that's where I started to develop, you know, feelings of fear and then like unwanted and unloved, things like that. And my mom was hardly around because she had to work all the time. And then when she remarried, we moved into a community where there wasn't a lot of ethnic or racial diversity. And so I um, dealt with racism there. And then in the home, as well as, you know, at school or in the media, I wasn't really learning anything to help me or instilling me to have any confidence in my appearance or my identity, um, my abilities, or just my, you know, who I am in the world. And so just dealing with all that, plus financial hardships and other life challenges, it was bringing me down and I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't have anyone to talk to. I didn't have the tools. And so I started drinking and getting high in order to like escape the pain that I was feeling in order to numb myself. And it, I got to a point where that wasn't enough. And so I, at the age of 16, I attempted suicide because I really honestly believed no one would care if I was around. I wasn't 
doing anything to make life a better place. And just, there was no reason for me to be here. I was in too much pain. And so in order to end the pain that I had, I thought I had to end my life. And so after I survived that suicide attempt, it took years before I was able to actually make the sustainable change that I've made now in my life. I had to really understand like why I felt I wasn't lovable, why I had the self-defeating approach to life, why I didn't love myself. I had to understand all of that and I had to get to a point of how can I live? How can I manage what I can't change? How can I change what I can, you know, have the, the strength or the courage or the ability to know what I have to change what I can't accept. And then also just, you know, love myself and just change my mindset to realize my worth and what I can do to stop reacting to life and start, you know, making intentional choices to create the kind of life that I want to live. And because of all of that, my experience and my research and my training, I want to use these tools to guide others um, that are dealing with the same struggle that I dealt with to help them realize what um, they have within them to change their life and then also determine what will work for them. You have pretty much the hero's journey, right? That mindset, mm-hmm. that mindset of taking uh, what has happened to you and turning it into something so beautiful and helpful for everybody else. And I, I love your vulnerability. That's it's it's amazing. So could I ask? And I, I know I don't have this. I didn't have this question prepared, but I, I would just love to know. So after your suicide attempt, and as you started the journey to get to a place where you could be self aware enough and make space for yourself. Was there another uh, person or a certain circumstance or environment that really helped you find those tools? Like, where did you start? How did you get from the hospital to learning about where to start with some of these tools? Having said a good question. So I actually didn't have access to therapy. I, I did try it. And um, the first day, because after attending suicide, I had to go see a therapist. <laughs> and um, so I did see that gentleman that first time and then when I went back for the second appointment he forgot that I had that he had an appointment with me and that was like the last thing I needed because I felt I didn't matter already oh my goodness. <laughs> um so I was like okay you know what I'm just gonna have to save myself and then my grandmother she was like okay well let's try another approach and so she like um worked at a metaphysical store and so she had me meet with a spiritual leader That's and true. that yeah and that person, um, they shared with me that once you have a purpose, then that gives you a reason to live. And so I started on that journey of trying to figure out what my purpose was. But just all along the way, I just met some amazing people who gave me some great advice. Um, and sometimes it was tough love, but it was just, you know, through different experiences and meeting people along the way where I was able to realize what I could do to change my life or to feel better or, or what I could do to feel better, just work on my emotions, work on how I felt about myself. And, you know, like I said earlier, the research, the cognitive behavior techniques, those have helped me so much. So it's it's all of that combined that that helped me. You basically developed that openness and that curiosity that's required, right? And it's that being able to be okay with uncertainty and then look at what surrounded you, right? It's like the right players, the right environment came into your scope when you needed it, when you were ready for it. And I think that's really amazing. Um, Really, really amazing. Uh, So now let's get to your practice a little bit. So what are the programs and tools you offer that really help others go through that positive self-transformation because healing is messy. Healing is, 
I mean, it's lovely. We love to think, you know, we have angel wings and we just kind of fly <laughs> off, but it, it's messy and it's hard work, right? It's not easy sometimes to put to rest. Oh, are you there? So, yes, yes. Can you still hear me? So how how do how do you help participants go through that positive self-transformation? Yeah, and you're so right about like healing being messy. I I, I didn't understand that at first because when I was on my journey, I was, you know, re reading self-help books like a little bit here and there when I would hear about them. And I'm like, or when people would talk to me, that's when I started understanding toxic positivity. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, how, how is it that, you know, just suck it up or just like you can do it or you're like, be strong for like whatever. It made me feel like, well, what's wrong with me? Because I, I do go through self-doubt every now and then. And, I, and I'm not always like 100% happy. And, you know, I'm, so I... Yeah, it was that was interesting to me like with this journey so I, I think thankful that you said like it can be messy it's not always like oh I know what to do and now I'm cured and now I'm, <laughs> I'm getting great forever <laughs> amazing but yeah <laughs> so I I work with people on basically building awareness to what has developed their mindset to begin with where did you learn what are the external factors that taught you that you don't matter or that taught you that you're not good enough and um, I, I do realize that we have our internal factors like our brain chemistry, our genetic inheritance, and um, just our personality that shapes ourselves, like why we see things the way we do, where we react to situations and all of that. But I work on the external factors. So we look at education, religion, politics, the media, our environment, um, experiences, our peers, different factors that shape who we are so we look at that like where did you learn the certain feelings that you have about yourself any of these negative thoughts where did you learn it so we pinpoint that because once you understand that then you're able to realize what areas you need to resolve what experiences you need to emotionally heal from what toxic messaging that taught you to devalue yourself do you need to unaccept as truth so we work on doing that so we can defeat the inner critic and embrace the inner advocate or just build a positive self-identity and self-image and a healthy self-esteem and sense of worth. I love that. And I love that you mentioned toxic positivity because I remember sort of when I started the journey as well with the healing and the mindset and already feeling like a failure or like worthless and then being like, yeah. But I'm still having these negative thoughts, man. I, I'm even a failure at being positive. This, you know what I mean? Like it's the, it's just not like we're human. Of course, we have yeah. emotions. We need to just stop labeling them good or bad and just mm. examine what they are. So I right. love that you shared that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so share a little more about your book and tell us a little bit about what that's about. What does the title mean? And how does your story and advice uh, that you offer help the reader? again, as well, to continue making those changes in their lives. Yeah, so um, the title of the book is Dissolving the Anchor, and I call it that because I look at the anchor as anything that's holding you back from being your true self, from being able to be happy, being able to live the kind of life that you want to live. If anything is holding you back from being able to do that, then that's your anchor. So I call it Dissolving the Anchor because I want to be able to provide any tools that help you to dissolve that so you can be able to set yourself free to know that you matter, to love yourself, and to be able to make choices that you want to make in life that will build the kind of life that you want to live. And um, so I share my journey. Um, it's it's really a raw and real depiction of the mind that I had when I was young up into adulthood. 
And um, so I use the narration of my story. I also share poetry and I commission art from artists worldwide in order to just really give the the image and have you go into that place of what it was like to, you just feel like you don't matter. And then just to go through that journey in order to get to a place where you can start to love yourself and realize that things aren't always going to be perfect and you're going to go through trials and tribulations and to allow yourself to feel those emotions because I, that's another thing about toxic positivity that I have an issue with, with like, just suck it up. It's like, no, you got to feel those emotions. <laughs> if you suppress it or just like, you know, put it deep down, it's going to boil some, at some point it's going to boil out. It's coming. So, yeah. Yeah. It's coming. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I definitely, um, I, I feel like I provide practical advice um, as long as, as well as my story, I provide practical advice on how to like manage and overcome adversity and, and just be able to constructively look at yourself when you look in the mirror and not compare yourself to other people and, and, and just building a healthy mindset overall. So yeah, that's what the book I really love that. And I, I think it's really great too. when a practitioner or a healer like you or a transformation coach also, you know, shares their story so openly, but also is very clear, like just the way I did, it doesn't mean it's going to be the way you do it, right? Like you have that individual, like you're really looking and when you talked about that person's individual circumstances. So you're really honing in mm-hmm. on helping them discover what is the best way for them to transform and heal, right? Yeah, we don't all have the same path. I mean, we may have similar experiences, there there may be certain advice that can be useful to you, but it's more of like, what tools are going to be best for you? What's going to, what's going to benefit you the most? So it's not about, I'm going to teach you to do it my way and you have to do it my way. (laughs) No, I'm just, I'm just going to do what I can to help build that awareness for you to be aware of what's disrupting your happiness or what's making you believe that you don't, you know, matter or that you're not enough. Like I, I just do what I can to help build that awareness. So then they can be able to consciously notice things and then determine what to do moving forward to not allow that to overpower their life to a place where it's, it's not going to be, you know, beneficial to them. Absolutely. You're just helping them see the possibilities. It's amazing. So going back to suicidal ideation, and we do have a suicide crisis all over the world, but in uh, North America, I live in Canada and my province, there is a lot of, there's a high rate of suicide, especially in marginalized communities. And it's, it's a, it's a real uh, sadness. It's real tragic. And so if you know someone who's experiencing suicidal ideation, uh, what, what approach can you take with them? How can you recognize or help? Or even if yourself are starting to feel that I'm not safe with myself, what are some approaches people can take? Yeah, so if, if you know anybody who is feeling like they don't under, like see a point to be here anymore, if they're having those thoughts, then listen to them, try and understand them. Do your best to not judge them, not criticize them. Don't like, dare them to prove that they don't want to be here anymore like well if you don't want to be here then do something about it like just don't dare them to do that just listen to them offer empathy and compassion um if they are saying things like if things are going to be better when i'm gone or just pay attention to the word that they're saying to know if like they're in immediate danger so you can make sure that they're not alone and take away anything that can help them to take their life, whether it's like razor blades or a gun or a knife, whatever it is, like bottles of pills, like make sure that they don't have access to anything that can help them take their life. 
um, ask them if you can help them to seek help that they're comfortable with and um, just offer that support as much as you can. And then if you also experience that with someone, then make sure you get help too and be able to heal from emotionally heal from what you experience as well, because that can, it affects you too. When, when people yes. um, are sharing you how they feel and they're, they're going through that stuff and you're there with them. So just make sure you're aware of how it's affecting you too. Yeah, absolutely. I think too, there, I think people also should look for, and you can tell me what you think about this, look for uh, drastic changes in emotions. So if they are generally always a sad person or they're going through a lot and then one day they're super happy, be cautious of that even because a very sudden drastic change in emotion with no actual changes to circumstances could sometimes be a clue that a decision has been made, right? So it's a good time to check in. Um, I was going, yeah, absolutely. I, I did that when I yes. was going through that and I was down all the time, but funny, not everyone noticed it. I, I, everyone kept on saying, I didn't know that you were going through anything. So it's weird. I, I thought it was obvious, but <laughs> no one else knew. But when I knew I was that I was gonna go, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm good now because I'm not gonna be here anymore. I'm at peace. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So how did you can I ask how your suicide attempt, how did it like how did you survive it? Yeah, so and, and I share this in the book as well because I want to be as honest as possible for people to realize that they're not alone and mm. just just share my journey. Um, so I do share this in the book, how this all happened. I went home after school one day and I was deciding between a gun and a bottle of aspirin. And I decided to put the gun away and I, I decided to take the bottle of aspirin because I thought that the gun, if I did that, that, that would be too messy. And now either way, my mother and stepfather were still going to find me <laughs> no matter what. So I don't know why I was like, well, this would be better. <laughs> but yeah, I decided to go with a bottle of aspirin. And when I was at that table in the kitchen taking each pill, and I every time I took a pill, I'm like, I'm doing this because I'm feeling alone. I'm doing this because I'm excluded. I'm doing this because of the racism. I'm doing. Like I had a reason for every pill I took because it was justifying why I was doing it. Mm -hmm. And after I did it, and after I took the whole bottle and I was sitting there at the table and I just started getting scared and I started hearing, you know, my internal voice, like, you don't have to do this. Like, you don't have to have this to your end. And I ended up calling a friend who earlier that day, a bunch of us were hanging out. We would always share poetry. And I, start, I shared a poem that day where someone who was a friend of a friend who didn't really know me, she interpreted as that poem meant suicide. And I was like, oh, no, 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 this it, you know, doesn't have anything to do with that. You know, it was about birds and a bird crashing down and stuff like that. And I was like, it's, it's not about suicide. I didn't want to tell anyone, no. you know. And um, so I called up my friend and I was just like, you know, your friend was right. Um, she was like, what did you do? And I said, yeah, I didn't do something that was right. I didn't do something that was good. And she was like, what did you do? And I was like, I just took some aspirin and now I'm scared. And she was like, okay, I'll be right there. So she came and got me and we went to her house and a few other friends were there and they were trying to help me to vomit. Sorry, this is like- No, it's all, no not at all. No, no. <laughs> so Life is messy. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> so they were trying to help me to get get everything out of my system, but I didn't eat that day, so I didn't um, have a I way of getting it out. <laughs> so we went to 
a store, not a store, but like a fast food restaurant because it was close by. And I was trying to eat and I just started to feel really bad. Like I was like, okay, I feel like I'm about to go. I was like, call poison control because they'll know what to do. And they didn't know how to call poison control. So they left, they went outside and they called 911. Yeah. And then they came back in and they were looking at me and I'm like, why are you looking at me like that? And they were like, yeah, we, we called 911. And then the ambulance came and I got in the ambulance and the guy, the paramedic, he was not very nice to me. He was just like, well, why are you trying to take your life? And I said, I just, I feel alone. And he's like, you've got all these friends around you, yet you feel alone. And I didn't know or have the energy to explain to him that I can be around a lot of people, but I still feel alone even when I'm around a lot of people. And there's really that reasons I felt that way. But anyway, you know, we get to the hospital and I also had some nurses that weren't nice to me either. I Maybe it was their perception of people who try to take their life. I don't know if it was what it was, but they were not very nice to me. And But one nurse was. And I was like, I was freezing. I was just shaking really bad. And I was like, can I get an extra blanket or something? And she got me something. And, you know, I just, from then on, um, the family came and, you know, I, you know, I ended up being okay. Good. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I drink charcoal. I don't know if you've heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. You know, yeah. and it, it's amazing. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, I guess looking back, like, I mean, at the time it would have been extremely scary, but kind of looking back going, I can't believe we went to a fast food place to try and throw up. Like, why didn't we just call 911 to begin with? Right. But, uh, but I was hoping to not get to that place. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, let me get it out of my system. Yeah. But anything could have happened in that time. Right. Um, But, um, what you talked about the paramedics and the unkind nurses and doctors, I mean, that just highlights the importance of trauma-informed care, right? In all professions, it needs to be a thing. People are people. It doesn't matter if they're suicidal. It doesn't matter. They need to be treated like human beings and have dignity and understand that they're in a place of pain. I think when I, I had suicidal, I never, I never attempted, but I had the thoughts and feelings and I shared it with uh, my doctor and they said the best thing they could have ever said and and from then on I was like okay it's okay to feel this way because I'm not going to do it but I can feel this way and not feel crazy because she said Chrissy I would be surprised if you didn't feel that way with all the things going on right now this is so normal you have a lot going on I think you need to just go easy on yourself you're not a failure for thinking those things. It would be unnatural for you not to think those things by this point, right? But we're going to get through and we're going to make a promise right now that that's not the step we're going to take, right? And we did, and we made that pact. And and that was, you know, a decade ago. But um, but I think just someone acknowledging, right? Rather than shaming for something you're already ashamed about. I mean, how is that help- helpful? I don't know. Anyways, right. thank you for sharing that. Um. What is one more piece of advice that you can offer to shift a mindset to be more, you know, constructive and uh, positive, real positive? <laughs> there are so many things that I, I feel like the, the one that I want to share right now, because I feel like I've been having so many talks about this with people, is the way we compare ourselves to others. Because we're all on our own journey, but when we are comparing ourselves to other people in order to determine or gauge if you're doing okay in your life or if you're succeeding doing that i feel like that is a way that isn't i guess healthy for your transformation because like i said before we're all on our own journey and so if you have to look at what someone else is doing in order to feel better about yourself 
does that mean that they need to be doing bad for you to judge them in order for you to feel better? Or does do yes. they need, or if they're doing really great and then you feel like you're not doing enough, then you can't appreciate how far you've gone or what you're doing in, in your own journey and in your own life. So I think it's important for your own um, mental stability is just to be aware of where you're at on your in your journey instead of comparing yourself to anybody else. And then also being true to who you are. I, I want to mention that too, because sometimes I feel like we'll, we can change ourselves or alter our behavior or personality depending on who we're around in order to avoid being rejected or criticized or judged. And the so much with like social media and, and with the media itself, like that, that can cause us to compare and that can cause us to feel like, well, if I change this or if I do this, then, then I'll be lovable or then I'll be more attractive or, or whatever it is. So it's just about being able being able to see yourself and love what you see and love who you are and being able to be true to that without being concerned with allowing other people to dictate your work and not looking at what's going on in other people's life in order to have that determine um, who you are or to validate yourself as well. Absolutely. I love that. Those are very wise words. And how can people support themselves as they learn to not compare? What are the best things that they can do? Yeah, that's such a good question. So I, from, I'm going to share what helps for me to not compare myself to other people because it's so easy to compare yourself. And you, you're, <laughs> whether you're on social media or not, like I actually limit, I'm not on social media that much mm-hmm. because I know what it's done to my mental health. So I actually only get on it for certain reasons. Um, so try to, if you know what affects your self esteem or, or the way that you feel about yourself, about yourself, try to avoid um, engaging in that type of activity so you don't keep on putting voluntarily putting yourself in that position to hurt yourself so um if you're around people who are constantly tearing you down try not to be around those people if there's if you can avoid being around them then then do that or let them know depending on the relationship you have if you can talk to them and be like hey feel like you tear me down sometimes let's talk about this or whatever like depending on the relationship talk about it um but yeah just be aware of your autonomy to make choices on being around the people who are good for you and supportive or um, what you're watching on TV or what you're looking at when you're looking at videos or streaming videos or whatever. Um, And then just what helped me um, to get started on that, I have to look at myself in the mirror and actually tell myself that I love myself Mm. because for so long I was living this life where I was like, please love me, please love me. Not realizing that there were people in my life who did. I was just so, my perception of the way people felt about me was so skewed because I felt I didn't matter that I didn't believe anyone did love me, even though there were ways that they were showing me that they did. Um, So oddly enough, I was still having this, mentality of please love me not being able to see that they that some people did instead of getting and I wasn't able to um as I kept on saying please love me please love me I wasn't realizing that I needed to love myself so I had to get to a place where how can I love myself and so I had to look in the mirror I mean so many things um you can do but one thing that I did was I looked in the mirror and I actually told myself that I love you because that was not something I would say when I looked in the mirror I was tearing myself down every time I looked in the mirror I was always picking out whatever I thought was a flaw or even if it was my personality anything I was literally looking at myself in the mirror and always saying horrible things to myself whether it was other things people told me other judgments or criticisms that then became my thoughts or whether it was just stuff that I developed because I felt excluded or you know being marginalized whatever 
I allowed that, I internalized it, and then I felt that way about myself. And so I had to change that. And so I had to look at myself in the mirror, tell myself I love myself, and I had to consistently make choices that reflect that I valued myself. And then I know some people were like, well, you can't just, you know, say words to change your your thoughts or to change your life because we've been through so much and it just doesn't work like that. So part of it of what I share with people, when you're affirming who you are, it's not about when you're trying to force yourself to believe those things about yourself. It's where you're reminding yourself of who you were before the world taught you otherwise. And you're also reminding yourself that you have a choice to define yourself. And so it's for you to believe it. So then you can actually then be influenced to carry out actions that are going to reflect that belief that you matter and that you value yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Thank you. That was a wonderful way to end the show. And where can people find you, Halima? Um, well, uh, you can go to hiyates.com. I feel like that would be an easy way. Um, you can also get my book from there. Um, you can choose which retailer you want to go through to get the book. Um, but if you go to lovemark.com as well, that that's where I list the programs that I offer if you're interested in any type of coaching. Um, and lovemark is L-U-V mrk.com yeah perfect that sounds good we'll have it all in the show notes thank you so much for your time thanks for having me here i I enjoyed being here (laughs) thanks for listening to this episode of book smarts authors on show here on the in the limelight podcast network where we enlighten entertain and educate our listeners please remember to like share and subscribe and don't forget to tell your friends